Well, you're listening to Amazingly Terrible, and this week we're going to be exploring uh, where on earth is Carmen San Diego again, in which we review a three-parter. So we're going to be looking at Retribution Parts 1, 2, and 3. You're listening to Amazingly Terrible, a podcast that's all B-sides. I'm Adam. I'm Matt. I'm David. I'm Mike. And I'm Derek. And together we are damned. Woo! Totally. <laughs> we damned. are the damned. Great. Now I have to re-edit that so it comes out as an acronym. <laughs> <laughs> but all right. Before we get into to doing the episode or talking about the episodes, I voted yes to keep this. Because I remember having an okay. affinity for the game show, which is yes. what the cartoon is based off of. I would argue that the, the cartoon is actually based off the video game. Not the oh, game did you show. miss the first episode? I was yeah, not D- here Derek the first episode because I had family in town, and you guys texted me, and you said, we need a yes or no on Carmen San Diego," And I'm like, I don't know, I didn't do the episode. And you guys were like, no, completely blind, full send, <laughs> yes or no. And I was like, yes. Yep. I am fucking regretting that decision. <laughs> See, I think we mostly liked the episode. We just we were divided on whether or not we wanted to keep it. Yeah, I, yeah. I think it was like um, we, we didn't think that there was necessarily much more to get out of it as far as comedy was. And, and I think the, I, I, you know what? I fucking vote to keep stuff. I, I am. Think I, I think I voted to cut it. I think. Yeah, I, you vote to cut things. I vote to keep things because I am a cartoon hoarder. I was voted. I voted under duress. I just uh, like to put that out in, on no, the record. You were you were Thank voted you. as most likely to vote under duress. <laughs> that, I, I, w- I would just like to state for the record that uh, I was coerced and threatened and offered a gun if I voted yes. <laughs> wow! Wow! But but not water or food. That's illegal. No, actually, I don't. I don't one hundred percent regret that, and I'll get. I'll get into why. But I have a couple questions about the backstory here. Did Did you guys discuss why is Carmen San Diego the leader of Vile? Did Do we know that? Because in the, in these episodes, there are flashbacks where she's still part of Acme, uh, and which yes. I don't remember yep. ever being a part she... of the game show or whatever. Carmen they invented it for this show, but her motivations are a total fucking mystery in this cartoon. I'm pretty sure we figured it out. We figured it out in the last uh, yeah, the it's last her kink. episode. It's it's her kink. Um, she likes to be caught by children, and it's it's filling some sort of void that she has in her heart. Right, and she's having a hard time identifying yeah. that. And it wasn't in her, until in her later heart that she realized that she was actually a man, and that's why she underwent uh, reassignment surgery to become uh, Cole Cash. Yeah. Oh, is that why she has very, very large breasts? Because they're completely bolt-on. Oh, you think so? No, no, no. Like, no, no. She, she was, she was born Carmen. And, or wait, no. Didn't we determine like she you just was said she was born a man? She was born gender. Dora Cash. Yeah. Nora and then Cash. She was, she was Dor- yeah, she, Dora. She was born Dora Cash. That's right. Yeah, because she's a Dora the Explorer Cash, and she <laughs> later changed her name to Carmen. <laughs> but then uh, later on, she realizes she is actually a man, so she underwent gender, gender reassignment, reassignment. Surgery, 
Oh, okay. So she became Cole Cash. I mean, I think that the, I will honestly say, I think that the breasts are a design decision because uh, she's clearly modeled on like a pulp um, hero or villain from the, Mm -hmm. from the 1940s or 50s. And you can see that when she like, um, in episode three, when she like comes in through the window in, and we're in a flashback and she's clearly in an Indiana Jones outfit and like she's, she's, that's the area that she's mining. And that was the era of torpedo tits. Like that's what the undergarments looked like during that during that period. Mm. Fair. I mean, I I could see that. I just one of the things I noticed very early in the first episode, I was like, "Wow, they drew those in pretty big." But <laughs> she doesn't have cat ears, so I'm not interested. <laughs> I have to admit that um, there was at some point I was listening to it, but not watching the video. I was looking at something else on the internet, doing research, right? Um, <laughs> she had a real she had a real milfy vibe this episode. Mm, yeah, yeah, she does. All right, so let's just kind of launch. <laughs> let's let's but straight launch into this, okay? They, and so what I'm going to do, yeah, straight launch give, into like, that. Yeah, milf. Well, yeah, let's let's just go into it. Yeah, is is essentially do like I'm not going to go scene by scene on this anymore. No, we can't. Like, possibly. This no, no, is, no, no, yeah, yeah. This is what happens. So. I think we can uh, break one, this down into like three acts, basically. And just do why don't yes, why don't we do, so why don't we just spread it open and just... Jesus Christ. What the fuck? <laughs> All right, so the episode, the first episode starts with what has got to be the worst cartoon intro songs ever recorded. <laughs> oh, my God. And you know what's... We we were going on about how much we liked the intro. Song we loved last time. the intro. Oh my it. god, it's so bad. <laughs> we loved it. Oh boy, thought we could skip this, but Turk hasn't seen it before. I yeah. love it. For everything. <laughs> no, we Derek, don't have to go over hold, everything. Hold, hold on, actually, Derek, like trash. Do you listen to this podcast? <laughs> have you even uh, heard this? No, podcast? I usually don't. I'm so you even lift, bro. <laughs> Did you Do guys you even just podcast, go on and bro? On, and on about this in the last one? We loved it because it has yeah. choir in it. Yeah, and it's based oh. off of an actual uh, German orchestral piece. So, mm, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very PBS. If if anybody it's wants to know uh, our trash. feelings about this, go back and listen to. Uh, shit, let me pull that up real quick. <laughs> Subtle. <laughs> yeah. No, you, uh, you, you don't have to do it. Just say, David, insert the episode number here. <laughs> episode eight. Go back and listen to is it episode eight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go back and listen to episode eight of Amazingly Terrible. No one wants to know our feelings. I mean, the people what, yeah. like in our lives don't even want to know our feelings. Why? Why would internet strangers want to know them? Well, you guys like the song. I was like, oh dear god. <laughs> so, all right. So the uh, the episode opens with oh, real quick before I begin, uh, Doctor Maelstrom, the villain to Carmen's hero, is actually played by Tim Curry. All right. Anyways, so scene Carmen opens in, uh, yeah, a prison in in Northern California, which I which is actually Folsom Prison. Uh, yeah, it's clearly it later Folsom. in in the second episode, I believe, um, where an individual with the worst nail hygiene is sticking a bomb into a sticky surface. He's so gross. Only set for uh, five seconds, which I feel like is not a fucking lot of time to get out. Well, it blows a huge effing hole in the wall. 
And then the next thing we know is two kids blink into the scene. Um, and we they find out see that individual- four into the scene. C5. Uh, yeah, how did- C5. Oh, they see five C5. into the scene. Yeah. yeah, they just blink into existence. And anyways, we find out an individual named Dr. Maelstrom, who was a very dangerous criminal, has Lies. possibly escaped. Um, but nobody kind of really zeroes in on the fact that there's a dummy with a mop on its head or the fact that they can't find his body or anything. The, the, the warden of the prison goes, hey, no, he's totally dead. Well, mm-hmm. all of a sudden blinks in Chief, and Chief is essentially telling the backstory of who Dr. Maelstrom is and how he helped apprehend him uh, with then Acme agent Carmen San Diego. What I liked about this whole scene was when Ivy shows up, she pulls out an ID identifying herself as an Acme agent. So they have some sort of like actual identification, and it's almost yes. like she's she's asking for like some professional courtesy when it comes to working with this prison guard. The prison guards know exactly what Acme is, so Acme is like a well-established um, branch of law enforcement in this world, which we didn't get before. Yeah, they're like Pinkertons, but evidently they have enough juice to fucking commandeer a, a motorbike in London, as we find out later in the episode, which Carmen. Totally stole from that guy. Or, like, negotiate <laughs> with a local police force. Yeah. 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 So they're, okay. they're a recognized entity. All right, anyways, so then Chief begins to tell the story of essentially how this happened. So uh, essentially back uh, in 1985 in London, um, what's his nuts? Uh, Dr. Maelstrom, Maelstrom is entering... Yeah, Maelstrom is entering a uh, a museum using a missile lo- uh, attached to the leg of a seagull. Maelstrom hates doors. He explodes <laughs> himself into every building. Yeah. Um, so anyways, and he steals the logbook of a, a ship called the Carpathia. Um, anyways, Carmen gives chase. That's when she jacks the bike from him. She says she's going to bring this bike back, and then she drives it drives off the pier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and another interesting <laughs> point in that is like, so she's in the truck that that Dr. Batty is in, and he has these, like, wild vehicles. It turns into, like, a, like a ski-doo with a rocket motor that goes out the front. And they even mentioned, like, how does he keep designing all these awesome vehicles? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's ironic because later that's what she's known for, designing yeah, right. amazing vehicles. Like, she lifted her whole act from, act from this guy. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So do you, got, do you want me to go through the whole episode, or do we want to— like, because I'm trying to go through fast. And then no, we no, come go back fast. Touch go on fast. Things. Okay. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. Go fast, but we want to interrupt you with dumb bullshit. Exactly. Because <laughs> the first episode, first episode, actually, I, I really liked. Um, I thought it was a very, very clever way of essentially telling the story of finding the Titanic in a, like, pseudo-fictional kind of, I, I don't know what you want to call it, attack, how they attack well, that problem. Well, let's, and they let's talk about the a lot of real shit. Let's get to the actual, like, them figuring out the Titanic, though, was because they were trying to figure out why the Hell Maelstrom actually took the logbook from the yeah. Carpathia. And they were saying there's no reason to, for him to do this. The Carpathia is... Never sank. Never did and, anything. There was no reason for yeah. the Carpathia. Yeah, it's not an important ship. Up. Yeah. And, Mel- and Maelstrom's big thing is he goes and he steals, essentially, maritime stuff. He steals sunken ships. He steals buried treasure. He steals... That sort of thing, because I, I believe they say he's like a, a marine biologist or something. Yeah, just like every point. human, yeah. he has an he has an aesthetic theme that determines yeah. his whole life course and activities. Yes, yeah. I, I like how marine biologist translates to treasure stealer, just like archaeologist, uh, a la you know Indiana Jones translates to you know treasure stealer. I think naval architect would have worked better. Well, that, that's my whole question with all of this is. 
why is it theft? Is it just because he didn't file permits for salvage? Is that the only reason why he's it's stealing? Well, let's not get into this. Let's get into this at the end where we talk about okay. like, yeah, okay. that's a good I mean, question. He legitimately addresses that. Yeah. He says it in a line at the end of episode three. Oh, does it? Okay. Yeah. So then let's get to that. He, at episode three. He, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say it now because we'll see how long we get. He like Carmen says something about it and he's like, thievery is all about just taking what other people have. That's his motivation. Is he just wants to take what belongs to others? He wants to now, you know, he wants to covet other people's property. Yeah, it's and his, that's his entire motivation. He yeah. he's not he's not taking this salvage from the bottom of the ocean. He's taking it from the people who took it from the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> he's pre-stealing. Yeah. No, no, no. He's, he's post-stealing. He's, he's post-stealing. Yeah. yeah, they 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 got it, and then he gets it from them. Yeah, once once they get it back onto dry land where it is theft, then he steals it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, possession is nine tenths of the law. I mean, like he hires the guys, and the guys like haul it in, and then he's like, ha, 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 "I'm taking it from you." Like, all right, boss. It's, I mean, that's your thing, I guess. Okay. All right. Nice. Nice. Uh, I'll see you next Thursday. So we're intro- we're introduced to Chief uh, in his original form, where Chief had a body. He was like the world's worst C three PO. Oh, he's so horrible. And, oh, yeah. yeah, and it's really bad. And they, they try and they try and bump up the comedic kind of effect of it of him doing very, very like Laurel and Hardy to uh, hilarious you know, three results. Stooges like bumbling physical comedy. Yeah. Uh while while that's being introduced, um the bad guys end up hacking into the frequency uh of the chief has a, a video monitor on his chest. Hey, and I, essentially he he what, taunts what's Carmen the San Diego. Kenneth? What's the frequency, Kenneth? Yeah. What is the frequency, Kenneth? That's all I got. Okay. Uh, <laughs> go on, Derek. If you're gonna if you can interrupt Derek, at least do something funny. No. <laughs> Don't tell me what so, to do. So anyways, <laughs> at one at one point in the hack, one of the henchmen comes up to Maelstrom and, and whispers something in his ear. They replay it and they find out that Maelstrom is going to Sydney Harbor uh, because that is where Jason, which is one of the submersibles that was used very famously in the 80s to find the Titanic and a bunch of other things, uh, was being tested. So our heroes then roll out to Sydney. Well, our heroes, they, it's uh, its past Carmen Sandiego and robot uh, Chief. Chief. Yeah, yeah, sorry, we're, we're still Chief. in 1985. Yeah, we're in a flashback. Uh, and we also they, find out that Chief's name is actually an acronym, so. Yes. We also which find I, out that, like, in the present day, He's actually in charge of this agency. Yes. Yes, which is addressed actually at the end of this episode. <laughs> uh, not the podcast, but the episode we're talking about. No, we'll um, talk about it. So, anyways, Carmen and Chief then go to San Diego. It's important to note here that they're dri- like the uh, the bandits have essentially uh, commandeered illegally a ship. They're sailing out of Sydney Harbor. Carmen then tells Chief to drive a car. He says, I'm not programmed to operate motor vehicles. This is the first of multiple motor vehicles he ends up crashing. They end up on the ship in which the bad guys kick him into a giant squid tank that just happens to be in the hold of this ship because that's where you put giant squid when you find them on the surface for the first time ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the important part uh, is, is the ship is actually stolen, so it was stolen from another marine biologist. And uh, did yes. we go into to the... A real marine yeah. biologist. Yeah. Didn't, didn't no, no, we, we don't. Out, we no. don't learn about the Carpathia yet until later. Okay. Well, here's the problem that I have: is we actually never even had a uh, image of a giant squid, before, but at, in 1985, let alone a live specimen mm-hmm. at, at this elevation. 
Yes. The, o- the only cu- thing we've seen of things... giant squids are were like pieces of giant squids that were grabbed in um, different uh, fishing nets. So this was completely unrealistic. Yeah. It totally took me out of the cartoon. Yeah. I, uh, totally totally took I, you I'm out. sure people could guess <laughs> if a squid looks like a squid, then you just make it bigger and it becomes a giant squid. It's like an evolution of Pokemon. I want to know the the bits that they pulled up in fisherman nets. Like the smart the smart side of me says tentacles, yeah. but the podcasting side of me says butt, beak, just a giant beak. Yeah. Another sort of retcon of history there is back in 1985. I believe Jason was still classified. So oh, Jason yeah. and Argus, which were the two uh, submersibles that were used to find the Titanic, I'll just I'll just talk about this right now then. So, first off, the whole point of finding the Titanic, we now know Dr. Bob Ballard found the Titanic in 1986 using the Argos and the Jason, I believe it was the Jason Jr. Um, but the Jason and Argos project were actually funded by the Navy in secrecy and it essentially was not released to the public until the Titanic was found to go and search for a bunch of shit on the bottom of the ocean. And this actually didn't come out declassified until a couple years ago. When Bob Ballard found the Titanic, he was actually not looking for the Titanic. He was looking for the and the which are the two submarines, two nuclear submarines that have been lost in U.S. Navy service since the advent mm-hmm. of the nuclear submarine. Jewel. And the Titanic was actually the cover story. Mm-hmm. So he went and he, I believe he found the He found one of the two. And then they had like four or five days left. And he was like, all right, let's haul balls over to where I think the Titanic is. And they lucked out and found it. Boom, the whole world gets told we found the Titanic, and the Soviets are none the wiser to the fact that they were actually looking for these sunken submarines. Um, and if you go do any reading on that, a bunch of the Jason missions are still classified. Ooh. And Bob Ballard, was a, he was a commander in the reserves at the time, and that's why the Navy went to him, because he was a brilliant you know, underwater dude, whatever his degree was in. An underwaterman. Uh, yeah. And though they said, hey... You're you're famous for searching for all this stuff on the ocean floor and whatever. Can you go look for these submarines? And he's like, I want to go look for the Titanic too. And the Navy was like, Yeah, total good cover story. Let's do it. <laughs> the Navy was like, Sure, find my keys. I don't give a shit. He's also famous for another reason. I actually recognize his name as the uh, guy who is the technical consultant. On the television show Sequest DSV. Yeah, you're right. Oh right. yeah, that's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Wow. <laughs> and he would pop up at the hey, end of Bob, the episodes in the first season. Fuck you, Bob. Yeah, yeah. He'd pop up and do uh, like little PSA type things, right? Talking yeah. about the ocean. Yeah. 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 Yep. He totally was. So when I was actually at the academy, we used to have to go to these things once a month called Forestall Lectures on Wednesday nights. The majority of them were about leadership and all the other shit, and it was super fucking boring. But he came and talked to us, and the entire time, all he did is he told us about the Titanic expedition, and he had all these pictures and videos, and it was one of the best ones I went to because you just sat there That's in cool. fascination as Bob Ballard's like, oh, here's a picture of us in the Titanic like, control room drinking coffee, and we're like, whoa, it's fucking awesome. It's a Titanic. So, And then they're like, oh, and then uh, there's a slide in there, and this is us finding the new, oh, Oh, shit. Uh, yeah, no, we didn't find that. <laughs> oh, this is us hauling up all the nukes. Oh, sorry. Click, 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 click. So, anyways, uh, Chief and Carmen are kicked into this giant squid tank, which was totally a retcon of history because nobody knew what one looked like in 1985. Well, well um, I mean, the Chief was picked up by a giant magnet, which, yes. he, which he later escapes into the squid tank by removing 
the one arm that's stuck to the magnet. So apparently his right. metal robot body, just one of his arms is metal. The rest yeah, of yeah like, this magnet scene is completely wrong. And it would have been it would have been a lot better it would have been a lot better to introduce chief as a normal robot and it's after he gets he's stuck magnet. to the magnet that he's he, all like wacky and off a bumbling idiot yeah yeah oh that would have been more interesting yeah i mean that was back in the day when like computers cared if you put a magnet on the side of them right yeah. does not seem to yeah. be a thing anymore I mean, they even made a joke about computers being new. Like, the old chief walked in on Carmen typing away on a computer. He's like, you and your computers. Before he, before he introduced her to Chief the robot, who's oh, right. a robot with a computer. Yeah. So as Carmen and Chief escape, uh, they're kind of dejected because Maelstrom had gone over to a different ship, the one with Jason on it, stole that, and then, and then hightailed out of there. They figure out where they're going because Maelstrom is so narcissistic that he actually flies uh, flags that are colored like billiard balls with the exact geographic coordinates of where he's going. So then That's, everybody goes No, from I Sydney. mean, like, you haven't seen the, the show, so you don't understand. This is the way the game is played. <laughs> it's the yeah. shtick. That's the shtick. Yeah, gotcha. This guy is a pro. <laughs> so, anyways. It's like the, the serial everybody... killer that wants to get caught. He's leaving the clues behind. Oh, yeah. That's the whole thing. I think this is a professional thing with them. Like, you know, it's not compulsive like serial killers. Like, these guys, like, they just know this is how it's done. They've got perfect yeah. professional pride. You always lead a complicated uh, vaguely, series of clues. Yeah, like yes. vaguely um, PBS level uh, pop culture series of clues. The only thing that's missing is the evil monologue. He does it a couple times. Does he? Yeah. yeah. Okay. He does. Yeah, I, I, multiple, multiple times. I, don't I mean, remember, the one at the but... very, very end of episode three where he has Carmen pinned to the wall with the arrows. He's okay. That's when he's telling her about what a life of thievery does and all the other stuff. So then, is... yeah, he's he's totally quintessential, you know, evil, trail-leaving, monologuing bad guy. Yep. Yeah, man. So this after... is how it's played. Yeah, like so we... he's a, It's almost like he's a cartoon bad guy. <laughs> almost. Almost. <laughs> almost. 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 <laughs> hmm. After a couple blurbs about the Titanic, everybody gets on the world's longest Qantas flight uh, from Sydney <laughs> to the sinking location of the Titanic, which is literally about as far as you can go on the globe. Yeah, I think it's farther than the actual longest flight nowadays. During this point where they're actually recouping, we had the chief in Carmen San Diego talk about the Carpathia, and the Carpathia is one of the ships that picked up survivors from the Titanic as the Titanic mm -hmm. was sinking. That's where the Titanic was deployed. So the longest, the longest flight uh, recorded right now, nonstop, was a, I believe it was a 787 from LaGuardia to Sydney. It was a Qantas flight that did it, and it was approximately 19 hours. So just take that and then extrapolate where the fucking Titanic sunk, which is like another six hours away. And back in 1985, evidently they have planes with enormous gas tanks, considering that our heroes are on a propeller plane. Yeah. All right, so just to finish out the episode very quickly, they show up, they find out that Dr. Maelstrom is going to raise the Titanic, which was a Clive Cussler book, uh, and Dirk Pitt, our heroes, were stopping a plan to do this. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they did it. I can't fucking remember. I've read that shit like in eighth grade. Um, anyways, so then they get in a very, very quintessential 90s uh, chase with some boats and jet skis, 
over one of the deepest parts of the Atlantic, so thalassophobia was not a thing for Carmen. And um, this and is where we find out that Carmen San Diego actually has some sort of superhuman strength in her legs, specifically. Oh, oh, that's where she kicks a boat. Yes, she's driving. <laughs> yeah. she's driving her jet ski. She just kicks two boats. She kicks one into another one, and it blows up. And she kicks another one, and it capsizes completely. I mean, they're made and of so anyways, fiberglass. This is, these are motorboats. They apprehend Maelstrom. It goes back to the present time frame. Then the heroes, the the Acme agents, the current Acme agents, after hearing Ivy Chief's story, Ivy and Zach. figure out that Maelstrom is now going to go to his old ship, which is in Belize. When they get there, Maelstrom then traps them in the hull of the ship, mentions something about crocodiles, and close as the heroes are trapped in this hole with water rushing in and a bunch of crocodiles. I, they, I think they there's, 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 there's a couple of important things to hit upon here. The first thing yeah. is, as soon as they see five into the location, they get a net thrown over them, as if the bad guys knew yeah. exactly where they were going to be teleporting to. So this leads me to have a question of, and this is a common theme throughout these three episodes, but it, it leads me to believe that perhaps the C5 actually has fixed points that they teleport yes, to. Yes, exactly. From. Oh, good yeah, point. There, yeah, there's C5's uh, coordinates that are just set. Yes. And, yep. that's, and so when they say, take me to Belize, it takes them to this specific spot. And um, the yeah. and Maelstrom knows this. Maelstrom had studied this previously, so he was ready for them as soon as they landed. Um, and then when, buy, they throw them into the the, when they throw them into the hull of the ship, Instead of just releasing some alligators in there, Maelstrom pulls out this pack of dynamite, That's right. lights it on fire, and throws it at these children. He's a real cool dude. Stop it. Stop it. I can only get so hard. <laughs> Jesus. And, and then the, um, the whole of the ship opens, gets basically blown apart as the kids run away into another section of the ship. And yep. then alligators and uh, water are pouring in. Yeah, they come well, alligators Actually, and water. My favorite combination. Only crocodiles would not be alligators. Alligators you're right, you're only right. live in the Everglades. You're right. And, well, yep. no, they, actually, there they, are other alligators. Yeah. Everglades is where alligators and crocodiles are the only but found together. This is Belize. Kiss. This em. is all. This is off of the uh, coast of uh, the Gulf of Mexico. This actually would have been um, Cayman. Oh, you think they're Cayman? They'd okay. have to be giant Cayman, but Cayman. Yeah. Because Cayman okay. are in South America. So. Yeah. Better the Cayman, believe it. Yeah. The Cayman come in and they, like, kick you and they say, This Ooh. is Belize. Bitches. There are two, you better there believe are two species it. of crocodiles present in Belize. The American oh. crocodile, which is mostly restricted to the coastal areas in the Keys, and the Morlitz crocodile, which prefers freshwater habitat. So it would have been the American crocodile. Damn. I believe that. I believe uh, the correct yeah. pronunciation of any crocodile name that involves America would be Merica Crocodile. Merica Crocodile. Merica. Crocodile. Anyways, that's essentially, that's the fin of episode number one. All right, so that at one point they talk about how the Titanic lost a bunch of lives because it didn't have sufficient lifeboats, which is, which is a well-known fact. Um... Have you guys heard of the SS Eastland? No. Tell us mm. more about this, what I if, assume is a ship. If I said yes, yeah, so, would that uh, end the conversation? Or 
No, I would have been actually really <laughs> impressed. I would have been really fucking impressed. Yeah, if I said as yes, long- would you shut the hell up about it? <laughs> as long as there are no follow-up questions, yes, yes, I'm very aware. <laughs> I know the no, Westland so really well, but tell me about so the, the Eastland. The, so the Titan, the Titanic didn't have enough lifeboats, and there's there's yeah. actually a bunch of like stuff out there where the Titanic was supposed to have more, but they had to push it out on its journey, and then with the double hull, they thought it was unsinkable, and the idea of women and children first on the Titanic, people weren't leaving the Titanic initially uh, because they thought it was unsinkable. They were just like, oh, it's just going to stay here and fucking float. We're all getting in the lifeboats for no good reason. So that idea of, like, the men stayed behind, like, a bunch of people were like, no, we're just going to chill out here until another ship comes to get us. Well, we all know it broke in half and then sunk. So after that, one of the big things that came out, like, with the whatever, the safety, whatever faction government entity was, is an idea that you had to have lifeboats that had a space for every single passenger on board your ship. And there was a there was a steamer ship called the Eastland, um, which sunk in the Chicago River in nineteen fourteen fifteen time frame. Lame. Uh, and one of the reasons one of the reasons that it sunk is because it was designed for eleven lifeboats and it was carrying thirty seven. And <laughs> yeah, and it was it was a. I, I can send out the Smithsonian article to, to you guys if you're interested in reading it, but long story short, it was a company that was giving uh, working-class families like a picnic day at one of the parks, and they had they had essentially chartered four steamships to take all these people down. Well, the ship was rated for X number 100 people. They put 2,053 on. Everybody went up to the top deck because it's a nice summer day, and the thing rolled, and about 900 people died. Uh, in this incident, and it's more Americans died on that day than were killed on the Titanic or the Lusitania. And it's just, it's interesting because then the backlash from that was, okay, maybe we don't need all, like, we don't need the minimum lifeboats, but we also don't need all the lifeboats. And it's just kind of a forgotten piece of American history. Um, I stumbled across this article one day on Reddit and, and read it. And was actually, I was like, holy shit, I'd never fucking heard of this before. And it was it was just a very, very interesting read. Like, it's super fucking tragic because it was a bunch of very, very, like, I'd say low-class working families that a lot of people just didn't care. And so that was it. And that one sunk because too many lifeboats. Um, so. Yet another example of government regulation keeping us from doing what we really want to do. That's right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, lone Republican on this podcast. <laughs> I'm the I'm our most Republican podcast member. <laughs> yes. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, we still love you. That, it that was. was a fascinating story, Derek, and I actually really do appreciate you telling us. And I, I think that is like very interesting. Um, something more important, though, is while you were talking, I found a movie called "I Was a Teenage Were Skunk" <laughs> from 2016. Uh, does it star uh, anyone we're talking about, or did you just were you just browsing something yeah, while Derek was just, talking? Derek, I'm just gonna ignore your fucking. Derek, facts. I want you to know weird, that I pay attention to you. Super duper weird, like mega subreddit, super sub thread porn. I like that it's. I like that there is a story from Chicago about drowning a bunch of poor people, because I feel like New York is just. It's mostly filled with stories about burning a bunch of poor people. Mm, yeah. Oh, Chicago's done both. I mean, yeah, the Chicago yeah. fires. Yeah, but it's 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 a. Anyways, it was an interesting story. So actually, 
I'll kind of wrap up episode one here. I really liked episode one of this show. I, I liked episode one of this of this arc. I thought it was a very cool way to teach kids the story of the Titanic, um, like finding the Titanic, and again, like an alternate history, fictional history way of doing it. They talked about the Jason. They talked about mm-hmm. the first test in Sydney. They talked about the Carpathia. They talked about and and it was cool. Like the subsequent episodes were a lot of like subsequent random facts. <laughs> subsequent. No, no, Whatever. it's subsequent. No, it's subsequent. How dare you try to fix that? You ignorant Jesus son Christ, of a bitch. We've been over this before. It's the one word. Uh, <laughs> no, I liked it. I liked it because it was a way to teach. It's the kids one word who that you know of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Don't be mean to me. I'm sorry. I'm I love Samaritan. you, Derek. I will never. T- <laughs> we will never tell you about the other words. We will never. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's like a that, bunch of the mics now throwing out too. That I got. I got really, really poor grades in like writing in college. Mm. But you yeah. got good grades in like um, boat history and drowning poor people. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's called ex- that's called extended <laughs> sessions on the shitter <laughs> when I'm trying to avoid stuff. Matt, did you mean to say uh, the history of drowning poor people? <laughs> um, <laughs> I look, Boat I didn't do well in that. People. I didn't, I didn't do well in drowning people class. That was like one of the primary uh, curriculum in our school: drowning people. It wasn't a major, but you could take it as an elective. Performance art, guys. You didn't we, want a minor in this? I mean, a, a lot of schools don't have the facilities to run a major like that. Again, I just wanted to say I thought episode one was very enjoyable. I've watched this now three or four times, and every time going through it, I'm like, ah, that's that's really clever. I liked how they did that. Yeah, episode then, one was pretty well written. Then it all falls apart. I agree. Yep. So the heroes are then introduced, trapped in the hull of the ship, and attempt to bait the crocs with the random stinky fish that just happens to fucking be there in this abandoned ship. They do a recap of episode one, and, and I can't help but wonder, why didn't he bleach and cornrow his hair so he looks more like a mop? <laughs> That's a great question. That's why I do it. I didn't even think of that. Well, he has he has the bleach blonde hair, but you're, yeah, you're right, David. He should have just had it braided in the cornrows and like in the prison cafeteria just to, yeah, I, to I, look more like the mop. I definitely missed 1980s Maelstrom. N- the yeah. current Maelstrom is pretty horrific. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 1980s Maelstrom is, he kind of has that, like, that dapper super villain. Like, he's always well put together. Looks like he has a haircut going on. The new one, he looks like. He's Wolverine's. young. He's young Sting. <laughs> he's quarantined Maelstrom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's. 80s Maelstrom is Keeper Sutherland in The Lost Boys. Yeah, yeah. Modern day Maelstrom is. Keeper Sutherland. Brother. Just regular <laughs> modern keepers, yeah. Um, like twelve bottles of alcohol deep. Um, uh, yeah, I, I would think that he was. I mean, he's more like Sting in nineteen eighty five, and then yeah, I saw some videos in, of Keith Sutherland, and I thought it was like more like Keith Sutherland in Lost Boys. That was what the nineties one was like because he had that like he had both he had uh, the haircut from Highlander. He had spiked hair, bangs, and yeah. a mullet. And a mullet. Yep. It's beautiful. Yeah. Although mullets are coming back. So. Apparently I mean, it's funny. They started coming back as an ironic hairdo, and now people are just rocking them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they are very comfortable. 
really, I mean, when you think about it, that's kind of the shape your hair should be in. Not, you know, yeah, in, a, in, a, in like a state of nature, a Hobbesian state of nature. Yeah, because you would cut the front to keep it out of your face. But you'd and want you the let... beautiful luxurious in the back for your your lady cave your neck. Yeah, your lady cavemen's to run their fingers through. Yeah, oh, I, I thought you wanted to grow out the back until it was like really long, so you could just use it to wipe your butt. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, if you it's want, understood. If you want shit in your hair. Oh, okay. okay. Portable TP. I smell like booty hole. All right, so everybody makes. You just their cut way that back. piece off. Yeah, just yeah. Keep, like slowly trimming it down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, you can wipe your ass about once every three weeks. I mean, the trick the, is to the poop well, at the rate that your hair grows. How often do you wipe your ass, Derek? <laughs> well, I don't have a fucking bidet, Adam. So every day. <laughs> Wait, bidets decrease the amount you have to poop or increase it? No, decrease the amount you have to wipe. Oh. You just hose that bitch off. I think we lost Adam. Either that or Adam is really distraught by my bidet comment. Adam, are you there? There we go. I had a whole conversation with you, David, while I was on the other side. On the other side. <laughs> on the other Wait. side. <laughs> yeah. The fuck did you go? We call it the unpodcast. So everybody makes it their way back to the prison in North Carolina, Northern California, which is, this is the first time that they mention it's Folsom Prison. They, I believe they don't in the first episode. Um, yeah, and they're, they anonymize it for some reason. Yeah, they uh, they're looking for Maelstrom. Yeah, I mean Zach wanted they... escaping the crocodiles again without using C five, and it's not until they're safe that they're like, "Oh, let's C five back to the prison." Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's a classic that we found out in the first uh, episode we reviewed, where they're always threatened by animals. Yes, yes, yes. actually, Animal- that's true. Yeah, yeah, animals always threaten them, and C five, despite being the best thing that ever could have happened, um, is not useful for any sort of plot reason only for travel yeah yeah, yeah they had to escape yeah. the, they escape the crocodiles and then they immediately see five they did not see five like to, when they to were escape trapped the in a room yeah, yeah. they, they weren't like that's uh hey chief could you see five us like 15 feet danger. above our current position yeah yeah well the important part is they see five back to the prison to try to collect clues and carmen san diego has broken in but more mm-hmm. importantly um Maelstrom, Maelstrom is there waiting for them. So he has a way to get instantaneous travel from one place to another across the world as well. Because he gets from Belize back to his prison cell. Yeah, they, they travel large distances in what is essentially depicted as no time. Like yeah. the Sydney to, to Titanic sinking, like all this stuff. Are we postulating some sort of un-C5 transportation system? Like... The upside down of C five. Could be. Maybe that's actually what it is. Is C five was originally a means for them to travel from point to point by bending space, but in bending that space and great connecting the dots between dimensions, they actually have to pass through some sort of weird random hellscape. And Maelstrom is so using that uh, proto C five, and that's why Carmen San Diego has turned evil is because she actually went to that proto C five as a test subject. Yeah, and she it was turned scrambled her brain. Yeah, no, she was turned by one of the chaos gods. Exactly. Um, my guess is Slanesh. Slanesh turned her. Wow. Or it could have Warhammer 40k fucking <laughs> references here. Yeah. Holy shit snacks. I would say either Slanesh or Zeech. Zeech. No, it's turned her. Slanesh. I think it's probably Slanesh, but she's but way she's, too like, she strives just... after perfection. Which ah, is that's true. totally but Zeech. Slanesh is all about seduction and she's like 
Oh, the fucking graves. Well, that's it. just you, you fucking pervert. <laughs> Even uh, though I said it first. <laughs> right? The size of her bolt-ons. Anyways, we uh, we learn that Maelstrom is there, and he's there because he has a vendetta against Carmen, which makes sense. She put him in jail. We don't really know why Carmen's there. She's looking for clues, and the Acme agents, Ivy, and... Well, we do kind of find out. Carmen's there to basically like put him to rest. So like she, she goes in and she steals his hat because she's going to take his one-worldly possession and sink it in a maelstrom. Again, but like, we don't know this that is her kink. Later. Like this is a, his hat is like a monument to him. So like this is what gets yeah. her off. She goes and steals her mentor's hat. Her her like it's not even her like mentor. It's like her arch nemesis mentor. Her yeah. Her nemtor. Nemtor. Her nemtor. Her nemtor. But at this moment, all we think is that she's looking for clues to where he is. Like we, we end up finding out later that she's she's trying to again like kind of lay the memory to rest. But she's on the same she's on the same track as Acme on this one and trying to figure out where he is. But he explicitly states when he's dressed like Stan Lee in a prison uh, guard's uniform behind the door, where he's like, "I'm gonna end you." Or he says something to that effect. Yeah, yeah. He, he makes this is all, ominous this, threats. This is all been yeah. just a big ploy in order to for him to basically uh, kill or rather destroy Carmen Sandiego, like yes. to get her captured yes. in some fashion, but also like disgrace her and ruin her yeah. good name. I don't know. And it, Zach and Ivy show up because they're trying to find more clues as to where Maelstrom might be going. Correct. And that's when they run into Carmen Sandiego. Zach and Ivy are chasing Carmen. Yes. And uh, Ivy tackles her, like, off of the second story railing. Off of, like, a catwalk, basically. Yeah, she yeah, field yeah. tackles her. Yeah, and then, and, like, while they're falling, Carmen decides to stop falling and just land. Yeah, yeah. Like, in her high heels. Like, just on her feet. Oh, no. She's so cool. Yeah. Carmen can kick boats. But it, but it was... <laughs> yeah, that's true. She has a but, lot of thigh-based pl- powers, generally. How much do you think that she can squat? Oh, she does so many squats. She's like those thoughts on TikTok. Oh, God. I I was actually thoroughly impressed with Ivy at this point. And we actually start to see throughout this series of episodes, we actually see a great deal more of Ivy's physicality and the fact that she actually is like, it seems like she has some sort of fighting. She has some sort of fight training. She has some sort of martial arts training. Yeah, and it's nice like that. It's a little role reversal because she's like the physical one as compared compared to Zach. Yes, yes. Who, uh, as we as we know from our last episode, is an adult who's been uh, re de aged by um, Carmen, Carmen in order to fulfill her fetish. Her particular kink, yeah. yeah. Zach Wait, is actually Zach is, a corporal. An adult? Yeah, he's a corp- He's a what is he? A staff sergeant. That he's, was, a, he's got staff sergeant stripes on. Yeah, he was he was a staff sergeant uh, stationed in Australia. And uh, Carmen actually wound up de-agifying him, um, de-agifying before, Ray. Before we go forward, I just want to say that uh, when I said TikTok thoughts, um, I laughed so hard it made the um, the rocks in my whiskey shake because of my fat tummy. <laughs> I can't tell you the level of shame that that brought me overall. Like, no, we, I feel like the most the most white privileged pile of shit. 
I feel like I feel like that moment should have been more of a combination of pride and shame. There has to be like some sort of much like this podcast. The Germans have a name for it. I'm I have been looking for it for a while. Yes, the Germans have a name for everything. To yeah, describe this podcast as prideful pride. and shameful at the same time. Mm. And it is good. Yeah. Carmen is escaping once again from an elevated position. We could reaffirm that she is not wearing anything under that trench coat. Nothing uh, under the trench coat, yep. As she forces Ivy and Zack to look up her trench coat, she winds up throwing a bundle to Ivy. And she even says something, she like gives Ivy some words of encouragement, like, nice try, you're almost there, or keep up the good work, yeah. or something like that. I, I can't remember what it was. But she, it seemed to be encouraging. Yeah. She's hardcore grooming them. Yeah. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And in that it, bundle was french fries yep so carmen carmen jets and then the next scene they're talking about french fries we get a fucking huge history of french fries in the episode and this is kind of the point where i began to not like episode two and three whereas episode one all the historical facts and facts about geography and whatever were all kind of interconnected when like a, a singular event this just seemed like cheap writing to be like Here's 10 Trivial Pursuit answers. Smorgasbord of facts. And it, oh, yeah. it wasn't interconnected by a, a singular storyline, and that's where it just started to bounce around, and the writing went from like, hey, this is kind of interesting, to, all right, are we just training for like bar trivia night? Like, what's going on here? Yeah, and these aren't yeah. really even correct facts either, because they show England as including Wales, but not Scotland or Northern Ireland. So it's neither <laughs> England nor the United Kingdom. It's just <laughs> good our point. animator couldn't get that Very one correct. Good point. They have to go to Norway. Right as they do at that, Chief is like, a hotel is being stolen in Key West. And they're like, oh, man, Samsonite, I was way off. And they all go to fucking Key West. Well, and, and because the important thing is also it's like there's no other information regarding that. It's just there's a hotel being stolen. Honestly, and, I would be interested in that. Their like, mind was... Well, they, they just they just automatically assume it's Maelstrom. How did they know how to like? How's it that they know that it's Maelstrom? Maybe it's somebody else. But I mean, one of the things I, I didn't want to point instinct. out was pure all of this Acme is taking instinct. place. All of this is taking place in Acme headquarters. This is the first right. time we see Acme headquarters, which is basically just a big room with the word that we Acme know of. written on the floor. It's in better shape than it was when Carmen was an agent, though. Yeah. Like when Carmen was an agent, it was very, very like pulp fiction film noir like yeah. Yeah, sh- I've got eight slugs in me, seven whiskey and Whoa. one lead. She like, worked yeah, in, was, like, it, in, in a New like York a, police yeah, uh, it was like a detector's bullpen. office. Right. Yeah. It was like a bullpen yeah. in like an actual proper police station is what it looked like. So. But in in like nineteen thirties New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like Carmen's over there with the fucking bottle of scotch, like wham and writing her reports. Yeah. Those desks were awesome, though. Those big old metal desks, painted green. Yeah, we have them in the Navy. <laughs> They're almost impossible to cut in half. And how do I know that? We tried to remove some of them out of the door on our office on the carrier when it was in the yards, and the desks don't fit because they're bigger than the fucking door. So they have to come in with, like, saws and cut them in half. And Nice. Yeah. Those would go for a fair amount shit. of money if you put them on the uh, antique market. Oh, I bet you people will buy them left, right, and center. Yeah, because they're because they're, ne- they're never gonna they're never gonna go away. Like it's a big rolled steel desk. 
they're going to be um they're going to be using Jason twelve to like go down into the ocean to find <laughs> desks to sell the yuppies from World War Two. Yeah, that have not fucking corroded at all because they're made with a Buick's worth of steel. Because the, like the, they're going to be trying to hide their activities from other antiques companies so that they can they can sell these beautiful desks to rich people in New York. Oh, dude, let's do it. Let's start a a crime syndicate where we just get these old, old 1940s era desks. <laughs> I like that you that our crime syndicate is basically going to be antiquing, which sounds it's, great. It's anti- We're going to make so much money off fucking hipsters. Oh, it's my, amazing. We we have another crime activity to do this weekend in upstate New York. <laughs> We're. <laughs> We're gonna fight like, some go- fucking awesome silverware made out of real silver, and then we'll ship them these desks that weigh four thousand pounds. Yeah, we're gonna kill ourselves on shipping. Oh god, yeah. We'll just have oh. to, we'll just have to buy our own fleet of trucks. This business is. Oh yeah, we got to go to the Amazon route. It's untenable without it. Yeah, no, I'm not shipping with those fucking goddamn desks. <laughs> you know how heavy those things are. We have to do it way our, before. We can like, hire composites. people to do that. We're the criminal masterminds. Does teakwood come True. from the word antique? Yes. No. Teak teakwood comes from the teak fucking tree. No, 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 no. That's not true. That's a lie. Teakwork does come teakwood becomes from the word antique because um what happens with old wood, it goes through a chemical change. It's no longer like oak or pine or, or any kind of like wood. It becomes this other thing called teak. And that's why it's but, so durable. Yeah, that's the truth, Mike. I I actually thought that antiques were they were actually called after teak wood because all antiques were made from teak wood. Ooh. You got some fancy antiques, buddy. Okay, tell me about uh, episode two. We're st- we're still on episode two. I disappeared for like ever, and you guys are still. Shh, the viewers don't know. So teak wood, by the way, is is used in boats because teak is highly resistant to uh like mildew and water and everything else. And then on warships it's it's of course highly resistant to blood. So when it when it is spilled on the deck of the ship covered with sawdust or whatever back in the day, um it wouldn't stain it. And that's why teak is used. And then modern warships, of our modern warships, if we were to recommission the battleships, the battleships actually have teak decks, which is kinda interesting if you think about. I would I mean if I was building a battleship or a warship, I would probably just use pine. And then, like, when when new recruits came on and the decks were, like, fucking brown, I'd be like, yeah, that's pine. Look how many fucking dead people we fucking killed on this ship, motherfucker. Never pine. Now replace it all. Yeah. We're, we're hard as shit, motherfuckers. Someone drops a hammer, it punches through the deck. <laughs> exactly. yeah, yeah. And also, don't drop shit. <laughs> this is Everybody basically an Ikea ship, so... My favorite uh, warship was the one that was uh, designed at the end of World War II that was made out of permafrost and uh, wood shavings. Oh, I like that, yeah. too. Yeah, that's a good warship. That was based on a real thing. They wanted to yeah. take a glacier and turn yeah. it into an aircraft carrier. Yeah, they made like yeah. this special yeah. slurry of ice and, and uh, yeah. sawdust like that yeah. made the sawdust super strong, or made the ice super strong. Yeah. I want to um, go to an ice. Hotel. I liked the one that the Navy made out of Nazi bones and people who <laughs> people's souls who died from a tum- atomic blast. That was so cool. 
Bloss. Oh, that, Jesus. Matt, how much 40K literature have you <laughs> been reading? Fuck me. How many there's 40s have you There's videos on YouTube. Last time we met up, Matt was actually going on and on about it, so <laughs> I'm assuming like F. another week's worth since last time. 40K is kind of cool. It's kind of fucked up, but kind of cool. The the lore is pretty fun. The the, the lore in that shit is wild. <laughs> it's like super this, weird. <laughs> like there's lots of drugs done, and I'm like, oh, this is cool. Let's just keep scrolling and read about this fucked up shit. All right, anyways, so other fucked up shit. Our heroes end up in Key West, where Doctor Maelstrom is trying to steal the underwater hotel, which is a real fucking place. I had no idea. It looks so bad. The the way they drew it, which was a box with two portholes on it and four supports, is not what it looks like in real life. Well, no, they had there video a, of it, and it looked like a terrible hotel. It's if you look at pictures now, it does not look like that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. But it was so when I saw the video and then was watching the episode, I was like, "Is this like C Lab from like the late seventies that they got yeah. rid of?" Holy crap! No, it, it still exists. Like there's an underwater hotel in Key West, and so anyways. It's revealed that Maelstrom has multiple submersibles that tear the hotel off of its legs, and off he goes. And then everybody goes to fucking Norway, which is where they should have gone in the first place. Yeah, we do continue the theme within the um, uh, hotel, though, where uh, Ivy pulls a uh, net gun to shoot at uh, Maelstrom and then hits Zack instead. So Zack Zach gets netted again. Maelstrom fucking wipes the floor with these pieces of shit. Like, he really like, yeah. shows who the elite is here. And um, Zach and um, Ivy, isn't the end of the scene they're, like, pressed up against the glass of the portal? Uh, yeah, he's showing yeah. them, at, like, he's like, look at me steal this hotel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, he can easily overpower both of them at the same time. Yeah, it's a yeah. real invincible yeah. moment. Invincible with the he's train moment. He's fucking jacked. Like, the way his character's drawn, he looks like a fucking X-Man from the early 90s. Great haircut, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, not at this point. At this point, he looks like... who? Who is Wolverine's brother? The guy with the claws. Uh, Sabretooth. Sabretooth. Yeah. Like, he looks like mm. that. Like he's Yeah. Like, but he's got beast, beast fingernails. Right? Like... Yeah. Cut your fucking fingernails, man. You're free from prison. Yeah, dude. Like, evidently, you've been keeping yourself in shape, like... Well, we, Trim those shits. We see his hands a lot, and he's got that dragon tattoo on his on on the back of his hand, and those creepy fingernails. That's how you know he's so bad. He's so he's bad. Fucking bad. He's, he's in a prison gang. He's so bad. He's got that gross, gross fingers. Oh, he's so bad. He's in a prison gang. Okay. Hey, Mike. What American author is known as the father of the modern detective story? Ooh, that's uh, a good one. Sherlock Holmes. That, he's not an author. He's not I'm a sorry. person. Arthur Conan okay, Boyle. okay, okay. Sorry, sorry. He's a fucking so, guy. No, no, I love it. Not wait, American. Wait, wait. No, who is Sherlock Holmes? <laughs> no, I'm You're gonna give it to him. Further I'm gonna give it answer. to him. It, it's a, it's who, an American author. Who is Ernest Hemingway? Ernest Hemingway. He's an American who, author, not a British fictitious person. Who is who is, hun- who is Ernest goes to camp? Who is <laughs> Hunter S. Thompson? Who is the Edgar guy who Allen wrote Poe? Yeah, who is the guy who wrote Goosebumps? Never Edgar more. R.L. Steinley. Yes. Yes. Edgar Allan Poe wrote Goosebumps. <laughs> Never more. Yeah. So that would we, be good. We end up we end up in Norway. Uh, and the first thing that we start to figure out is why is Carmen in Norway, and she's stealing lumber. She stole plans to a Viking longship. 
and then an individual, I guess she's Norwegian, tells us that a Viking longship was being built. Uh, Zach and Ivy go to it, and they find a perfect replica of a Viking longship. And there's yeah. a bit of foreshadowing here, because before they show up, Chief is talking about, in this area, one of the things that used to happen for the Vikings is that they would build these longships to, to honor their warriors and chiefs and kings and whatever. And they, they described a Viking burial. Send the ship out to sea with the warriors surrounded by his possessions and everything, and then they light it on fire with fire arrows from a cliff. Yeah, but they're getting they're getting all this information from uh, other Acme agents or junior Acme agents and like Interpol agents, right? Oh, is that who the the one woman is? I think She's an Interpol agent. I think the woman was an Acme agent. She was like a junior Acme agent, I believe. A Jackme agent. A Jackme agent. They found the lumber at a lumber, or no, a uh, yeah, a, sh- a shipwright. It's a good thing they weren't paying twenty twenty one prices for that lumber because that's like hundreds of thousands of dollars. It was stolen lumber. Uh, yeah, dude, I've got a stack of lumber out back. I'm rolling. But again, this is presented as if no time has passed. Yeah. So Carmen basically broke into this shipyard. It built a, a a longboat overnight. A Viking longship. Yeah. 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 Using traditional methods. I I think it's also that like Carmen has incredible contracting skills. Like she finds these people who are going to build her every sort of uh, accoutrement at in record time. Like she, I want her to project manage a lot of my projects. Isn't that the mo of being a bad guy though? Is that you have this incredible like infrastructure, basically infrastructure? Yeah, yeah. supply yeah. chain, like uh, Elon Musk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, amateur study tactics, master study logistics. Him, let's not put him into the the master villain category. He's just the Dogecoin king. I mean, he's more in the masturbator no. category. Um. But I, I have a new theory here, because we are seeing on multiple occasions that time has gotten a bit squishy, where apparently no time passes for the agents, but it appears that a significant amount of time has passed for the bad guys. So I have a theory that C5ing actually takes the same amount of time to walk the distance from location to location, but it's instantaneous specifically for those traveling in C5. And why is it that as soon as I fucking talk, everybody leaves? <laughs> <laughs> uh, for those of you listening, everybody has walked away from the recording station. Except for me and David. I, I think you're onto something there because uh, I think actually both ends of the portal also open at the same time. And that's why the bad guys know like where they're going to be and, oh, and so, are like prepared to ambush them. So the portal's just like open for like a week while they're walking from key west norway right <laughs> they cover immense distances in extraordinarily short periods of time with no is it a short period no of concept time? of time no time that's, travel that's that's what i was just saying is i my theory is that it's no it takes no time for zach and ivy it's an instantaneous travel for those that are traveling it but it still takes the same amount of time as it would for them to walk from one location to the next that's the reason gotcha. why all of our bad so guys for- suddenly have like, like they have like weeks and months and years to prepare for. Oh, when are the Acme agents? Four years and thirty-seven days later. Yes. To hand build a Viking longship. <laughs> By the way, sorry I had to jet there. Like I'm seriously a gallon and a half of water in today, and I've had 
fucking two beers. That's so fine. It's just like because Mike and Matt both got up and walked away without saying anything. <laughs> While I was in the midst of trying to, to uh, expound upon my brilliant theory, that David agrees with me. It is brilliant, right, David? Brilliant. Yes. I'm brilliant. Yes, I. I was having the same idea. I also agree with you. Well, you better because we're not explaining yeah. it again. Exactly. <laughs> Twice is enough for this podcast. <laughs> so Zach and Ivy, Zach and Ivy still away on a long ship. With uh, yeah, Malstrom's so they steal hat. away on the long ship. Yep, and one of the things that they find is Doctor Malstrom's hat is uh, is hung on the mast of the, the long ship, and then right about right about that time, the ship begins to move, and it it turns out it's being towed out to sea by Carmen San Diego in another boat. Fast forward a little bit, they <clears throat> they then get towed to the Maelstrom, which is an actual whirlpool in Norway, and it is revealed that Carmen wants to essentially put to rest the uh, the kind of the legacy of Doctor Maelstrom by putting his last worldly possession nailed to the, the the mast of this Viking longship, and then sink it in the Maelstrom whirlpool, thus putting to rest whatever. Little known fact, uh, this is the whirlpool where all the people in Norway send their dirty dishes to get washed. Ooh. That's the reason why nice. uh, modern American dishwashers are called whirlpools. Yes. Uh, yeah. To be to be 100% fair, when they started talking about fish and chips in this episode, I thought they were going to they were going to reference the Cory Brecon, which is a famous whirlpool in Ireland or in Scotland. Mm, gotcha. Um, yeah. the one thing that I found very interesting was that she's putting to rest Maelstrom's last worldly possession when he left behind a prison cell filled with his possessions and she just sort of zeroed in on his hat and was like, oh, this was a beloved possession well, had his of name his. In it. I, I get he didn't write his name it. on his clues that he left to mm-hmm. all of his bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you don't put your label on stuff in prison, you don't get it back. But it's not yours. It's true. Yeah. 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 So she's stealing the one thing that like can't be stolen. Well, that and like there seems to be a pretty strong obsession with Maelstrom's hair overall. We've got cornrows, we've got eighties uh sting hair, we've got the mullet. Well, I think I we think got... actually what it comes down to is Carmen has a thing for hats. And she's projecting her love of mm. hats onto Maelstrom. Oh. That's she a very had, good point. She's got her big red hat that she usually wears. Past Carmen had like an Indiana Jones style hat. Yep. I yep. You're right. She's that's, got a headwear that's a good, that's a good a point. headwear fetish. On top of her many other fetishes. Oh, on top. It's Ooh, a hat on a yeah. hat. <laughs> yeah. A flasher flasher attire underneath her trench coat. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yes. She opens her trench coat. She opens her trench coat and it's just all hats. It's hats, yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So, anyways, like at this point in time, she tells Zach and Ivy, "I'm putting Maelstrom's memory to rest," and they're trying to yell to her that he's still alive as a as a rogue wave hits hits the boat that they're on. And then, right about that time, then Maelstrom shows up in his, and my note says his submarine, whatever the fuck those are. It, it comes down to our Acme agents escaping with uh, with Carmen after an altercation with Maelstrom. They sail off, and I don't remember precisely why, but I wrote down, they end up in Williamsburg, Virginia. <laughs> uh, and when they show up in Williamsburg, Virginia, uh, Maelstrom is dressed as, like, a judge magistrate from the late 1600s, and they get thrown in the stocks. Yes, and I think that yeah. it's actually important that, that they actually describe Williamsburg, Virginia properly. 
mm-hmm. where they said that it was a recreation of a colonial settlement. No, I don't think they did it accurately. They should have said, it's a tourist trap for white people. Yes, they should have said it that way. Because <laughs> not a lot of people know that Colonial Williamsburg was actually built in like 1988 or 1985, something like that. Yeah. It, it is wait, total wait, BS. How would Maelstrom know about it then? He's been in Ooh. jail all the time. Ooh, oh, that's a good call. I mean, he, a, I'm, I'm sure he reads. I'm sure he's reading like a lot of history magazines, like um, History Quarterly and um, History Inquirer, and um, well, that's that's like his porn, right? Yeah, uh, His, History he, House. That one's real yeah. kinky. <laughs> it's the letters to History House, man. It's actually just um, uh, the guy that played House. Uh, yeah, he's just talking about letter. history. Yeah. yeah, he's like, I never thought it would happen to me. What's his name? Hugh Laurie. That's right. <laughs> so it wasn't the 1980s that it was built. Uh, it was early 1900s. But yeah, you're right. It's not 1699. So yeah, it says uh, in 19, you're right, 1920s, they did a, a recreation of Colonial Williamsburg. And it became a National Historical Landmark District in 1960, which still sounds gotcha. like a bunch of BS to me. I could say this because I lived. I lived. That's right. Place. Let's so talk about. Did you guys have to go there on yeah. like on a field trip every year? No, he lived there. No, I lived there. He's a William. He's a William Williambergian. <laughs> yeah, we went to Gettysburg on field trips. Yeah, yeah. Then, oh wow! Yeah. Then we then then we got to listen to the electric map. <laughs> okay no so anyways old uh, old williamsburg is actually very similar growing up in new england there was a place called old sturbridge village which was a recreation of like early 1700s yeah like new england lifestyle but it that did not get made till 1946 granted they used the same building methods and architecture whatever of something in the early 1700s but just like colonial williamsburg it's uh it's a recreation it's not like this is how this is. They just so. used the, yeah. the same people. They were just super, super old. So, like, construction yeah. took forever. Yeah, right? Mike is so judgmental of us right now. So, does that mean that the <laughs> 60 year olds did Room Springer instead of the teenagers? <laughs> 60 year old Room Springer would be like, I want to sit down. I want shuffle. So, you board. guys. You guys went to Gettysburg on field trips. You want to know some fucked up shit about Gettysburg? Oh, boy. Uh, does it involve a ship sinking? No. So when I was a plebe or a freshman at the academy, we went on a Saturday field trip. No, to technically Gettysburg. that's a lower we class per- person in the Roman Empire. But go on. Well, but we were lower class people. Uh, we they know. lined us up where Pickett's Charge took place, and they had us walk the whole fucking distance. Where and they shot like, at this you? Is far. <laughs> no, no, well, I didn't get shot at. Thank God. But I was like, wow, this is far. Yeah. This is really fucking far. And we did it in like late October when it was cool. And I was like, holy shit, in July in double knit wool with bullets? Nah, I'm good, bro. I mean, do you think this <laughs> Straight is. Straight up not having a good time. Do you think this is con- Confederate uh, propaganda? You think we're feeling like your education had some of this Southern propaganda built into it? No. I think <laughs> it's absolutely 100% Northern propaganda. To show us how bad they got fucked up in Gettysburg. <laughs> Did you get to and eat we also biscuits got to stand... and gravy, too? Yeah. And, like, hardtack? I eat biscuits and gravy all the time. 
Yeah, but like we also got to stand on the edge of the wall on Little Round Top where Joshua Chamberlain stood, which was very cool. And Mike, um, Hardtack is the name of Derek's dick. Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's crackers? So is biscuits? This is, is just biscuits and gravy. The name it. of his balls and asshole. Then <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> that makes hard tech biscuits yeah. and gravy. So, Biscuit, <laughs> hard tack. Right, so so biscuit, out, biscuits are the bis- balls. <laughs> gravy is the asshole. <laughs> yep, exactly. It's what it's comes gravy out. Comes from. It's where. All right, so to, to finish out this episode, uh, <laughs> Jesus. Essentially, what happens is Maelstrom escapes. Everybody's in the stocks. They escape out of the stocks. The cops come, and it looks like the cops have everybody railed up. But there's one thing that I want to point out before we go into other observations. When people get off the bus in Colonial Williamsburg, they recognize Carmen. So evidently, Carmen is an internationally recognized super. I thought we were literally talking about Williamsburg. (laughs) But no, the the, the one tourist lady is like, oh, my God, it's Carmen Sandiego. And then she takes her hat and puts it on and is like, hey, like, take a selfie. She's a world-renowned criminal, yes. Wow. Yeah, like, she's so world-renowned that average Joe citizen. Well, she's clearly from Long Island. Well, I don't think she had that accent in the uh, in the show. But okay, sorry. It makes her more interesting if she was. Okay, but the, the I feel like I feel like she's a good a good mother. Like she's on her her you know what are you saying her second honeymoon with her husband who's a fucking history buff and he's like oh let's go to Clooney Williamsburg she's like oh my god I don't want to go she's like, I want to go, go there like, I want to go to Bush Gardens I want to go to Palm Springs no, I want to I want to go see them she train wants, the wolves she wants to go shopping she wants to go <laughs> oh, see the cool geez. stuff and wanna, all well sudden, actually the woman, in all fairness in all fairness Williamsburg is really close to a bunch of outlets so there's a ton of outlet yeah. shopping well there's a ton of tourist stuff around why they're there yeah. The day that hus- the husband wanted to go learn about motherfucking history, he- his wife's like, I don't want to go. So, and then she gets off. She's like, oh, my God, it's Carmen Sandiego. And then gets a fucking photo. That's amazing. The weirdest thing it's about that made her vacation. The weirdest thing that about Williamsburg, Virginia, I think, is that like people live in it. Yeah. Well, people have to follow very strict guidelines in order to live there. But there are houses that are occupied within this kind of like. Yeah. Sort old, of ill-defined theme park. They're they're old timey houses, and people. It's actually like somewhat prestigious to be able to live there, but you have to like follow all these different guidelines. And essentially, like you are renting the property. It's not like you're a hired person to live there. Mm-hmm. You actually like are living there of your own accord, but you still have to follow all these crazy ass guidelines, like, like trading wolves. Really? No, no. It, you can't do like some specific things with the properties. You aren't allowed to like be seen using technology you have to be like uh, you have to like dress a specific way when you're coming and going out of those houses even though you're not one of like the reenactment actors you still have to dress a certain way while you're coming and going i also want to go into they got out of the stockades they got out of their whole stocks but ivy basically just brute force breaks herself out of it and it breaks carmen out of it and it breaks zach out of it what the yeah. hell are the locks on the stockades for? Yeah, because the locks were like attached when the stockades were moving. I'm 100% with David. When I saw that, I was like, why are there padlocks on each side of this if the board just slides up? Like, what the fuck are you doing? So there's two options here. Either Ivy is superhumanly strong or Maelstrom actually didn't lock them into the stocks. They were just like the faux like, play stocks that people get to play around with at Rin Fairs. <laughs> you just sort of like pop or... in and out of no problem. 
lazy animation. I know. Lazy I'm going to go with she's she's amazingly strong. Yes. I was yeah. going to go with that. Yeah, I'm well. I'm going to go with her finger muscles are so well developed that she can lift 100 pound fucking goddamn 6 by 6s and blow through iron locks. I agree, and I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for Mike because she's a redhead in a cartoon and I want Mike to have a redhead with strong finger strength. I just want to know why I'm the most Republican. Does that mean that you guys are all like social Democrats or something? Like, if I'm the most Republican, you're not the most Republican. You're, you're the most libertarian. If, if, if that's the case, I like, so regret not taking a picture of Mike standing barefoot on his lawn with a gun in one hand and a baby in the other. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, Mike, don't get upset. You you know that you're not the most Republican out of all of us. We all know that that's uh, Matt. Yeah, I'm the most Republican. That was that was really really good. So, uh, in conclusion, episode two, yeah, not my favorite. Yeah, Pretty we, we, was just, we end episode was, two very loose. We end episode two with Zach and Ivy getting surrounded by cops and Carmen Sandiego running away. So Despite the appearance of Waynesburg, Virginia. Definitely the weakest episode of three not very strong episodes. All right, so we go to episode three. So we start out with the kids with the Williamsburg, Colonial Williamsburg Police Department essentially detaining them and saying that they have to do a whole shitload of paperwork. (laughs) And then the cop rolls out. The next thing they know, Carmen shows up outside well, with what looks the, like to be a broken arm. The chief arranges uh, for them to basically get out, but they had to fill out a bunch of paperwork for them to be able to leave because the cops said, I'm not taking responsibility for Carmen Sandiego yeah. or the people that let Carmen Sandiego get away. If the Acme Detective Agency takes all of the responsibility, you can take Zach and Ivy out of here. Yeah, and this is when we get into like well, the, the quasi-political relationship of the Acme yeah. Detective, Detective Agency with... The As like a law state and local agency. governments of yeah. the United States, like I, I have to think that they're like the Pinkertons, where like they're a nationally recognized yeah. entity who can, but it's still a privatized law enforcement. Yeah, yep. so. right. Where they're like, yes, you can have them, but we absolve all responsibility. Yeah, Carmen then like says, "Hey, I've got the next clue." And she's like, let's go. And the kids are like, hey, you're going to help us fill out this paperwork. And yeah, we're going to go to Spain and blah, blah, blah. And the kids are like, no, you're going to help us do the paperwork. Oh, they find a flag, right? Because they... Yeah. Well, they they find a... Well, hold on. They find the flag and that gives them the next clue. But the kids are like, you got to help us do this paperwork. But then she says no. And they're like, you're right. Fine. She's like paperwork versus for bitches. No, no, no. No, no. She's like, I'm the criminal. I'm I'm the criminal. And And they're like, well... I guess we don't have to do the paperwork right now. We just said that we weren't going to leave until we did the paperwork, but technically we're not really leaving because we're C5ing out of here. So they come up with a rationale for it, but before that happens, you're right, uh, Ivy touches a button on her wristwatch and suddenly out of nowhere a fucking Miata appears. Yeah. Outside of right. the jail cell. <laughs> that, that was, the, that was the, absurd, the absurd part I wanted to talk about. And they do that I, before they teleport. Like, they do it before the, they teleport, yeah. 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 Of all the powers in all the world, that's the one I want. Just to be able to it's like just... summon a vehicle out of nowhere. No, just a Miata. Like, no, a Miata. Yeah, yeah. I want to summon a Miata. 
I don't I don't want like a fucking Ferrari or a Bugatti Chiron or, or any yeah. of that shit. I want a Miata. Yeah. I want a mid nineties Miata too. I don't even want the really, really well done ones no, uh, that are currently sold. Yeah, I, I want the like convertible one if this or the hard exists, one. Can you use it as like a weapon? Can you try to summon the Miata where your enemy is sitting and cause Why don't you like, try touching my butt at a party phase, and find out, bitch? Phase shift into the But bad they didn't guy. but they didn't they didn't phase shift the Miata into the walls of the local jail. They they put it literally in a parking spot. Yeah, outside. because they couldn't leave the jail in a conventional manner because they still had to do the paperwork. They had to see five on the trail. You know, so, when I when I summon a Miata at my cocktail party and everyone's like crushed against my walls because of my tiny New York apartment, then we'll find out how fucking deadly it is. Yeah, bitch. You know what? I've been to your apartment. I bet you that we could fit a Miata into your apartment with ample walking room around it. Okay, I folks, actually, you heard it here. I bet if we you could. Donate, if you donate to the Patreon feed, <laughs> we will We're gonna... We will build a kit car. <laughs> we, will saw, we, will massage, we will saw a Miata in half, bring it into the apartment, <laughs> yep. and glue we, it together. We won't take any photos of it or anything. We're just going to do it. Nope, so. Matt. The only, that's his new sofa. When he wants to play PlayStation, he has to sit in the driver's seat of the Miata. New sofa? That's my new bedroom. That's another room in my house. <laughs> <laughs> we get into this ridiculous clue that was like a bullfighting ring, a white flag, a, uh, a minaret, and then somehow out of that, they got fucking... Spain, uh, bullfighting. No, no, it was France. No, they got yeah. the fucking Carmen Opera. Yeah. It doesn't make any fucking sense. That was the video game, Derek. You're basically just describing the video game. The video game made more sense than this clue. Well, when they get to Paris, uh, evidently the train explodes, a bunch of cars crash. They don't say necessarily why. We know it's Maelstrom because, as Matt said, he doesn't use doors. He just blows his way up through everything. Allegedly. Um, and he's going into the he's going into the Louvre. That's the Louvre. Right? I, I, I've gone into I've, I've gone into the Louvre plenty of times, and it's, yeah, I'm pretty sure it I've is gone into the Louvre once or twice, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It's pronounced Louvre. <laughs> oh, is it? I think it's pronounced Louvre. <laughs> I don't and know. I haven't shitty. been to Paris. <laughs> you should go. It's beautiful. No, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's a, rainy. Yeah. <laughs> the, Paris like, is on my list of cities that I have yet to go to. Yes. And it's it's there. Let me go. I would rather visit countryside France than Paris, but uh, no, I Paris will go is see beautiful. It just because of yeah, yeah. countryside you, you France. Is, Paris. From what I've learned from Ratatouille, countryside France <laughs> is full of rats, um, and they like to cook. <laughs> um, Look, oh. oh, that's delightful. Yes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out on a crazy limb here, guys. <laughs> you can't <laughs> really go wrong with France yeah. in general. That's what Napoleon up. said. <laughs> we will we will see Napoleon how it stacks was from up. Catalina. What about the Racist. World War One minefields? <laughs> mm-hmm. What about the yeah. dragon's teeth? Bitches? What about World War Two? What, what about, about the, the dragon's the, teeth? The Vichy governments. Yeah. You know, what yeah. about the Maginot line? That's not in France. What? Are we just are we just listing things? <laughs> French things, baguettes, croissants. No, let oh, me oh, make oh. it clear. I read a book about World War Two. And I'm on this podcast. So, no. anyways, uh, they, when they break into the Louvre, what is the, your current uh, I believe say? it's Louvre? the gendarme. Louvre. The gendarme recognize Carmen, and they're like, "Oh, it is Carmen Sandiego. Oh, it is Carmen. Arrest her. We must stop her." Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, but they really would very, be more very... like, hey, uh, oh, it's, oh, yeah, oh, it's oh, August. Oh, we will, they are, oh, we will very, catch you in very a month. Stereotypically, oh, it is, French. It is oh. cold, man, but I am on my third weekend day for my week week, so I must yeah, yeah. go oh, spend time with my children. I get 365 days <laughs> off a year. <laughs> and I'm still <laughs> complaining. Dr. Maelstrom, they, they escape in the police vehicle that says police instead of the French pronunciation of police. Croissant. Um, <laughs> Polisa. Which is, which is very, very clearly croissant. Um, <laughs> That's and, how you and say they're, police they're, in France? And so they're driving away, and our team of heroes comes out of the Louvre and starts the pursuit. Louvre. Louvre. <laughs> I think, think satellite satellites have louvres. The Louvre is underground. That that building clearly goes up. Above ground. I mean yeah. the Louvre yeah. the Louvre is above and below ground. Like you go you can go up into the buildings as well. It's so beautiful, guys. And Tom Cruise, that's that's where he yeah. stopped the end of the world with um with with the, the, the aliens. Yeah. How come Tom Cruise can't stop the can't stop the aliens in an American museum? That's my question. Yeah, because uh, he had to do it in the foreign museum. Anyways, so they go to the Eiffel Tower, and our heroes start pursuit. But the baddies take the elevator up, and our heroes evidently don't take one of the other fucking elevators that go to the top of the Eiffel. Tower. I want to nominate Derek for the MVP for keeping this podcast on track. <laughs> I'd like to nominate Derek for most beautiful lips. <laughs> a fight, a fight ensues on one of the observation decks of the tower. I think it's the second level. It's you not the, the first level. It it could be. It's the second yeah, it's level. A, it's like not it, quite high. We level, have a yeah. triple a triple choke at one point. Yeah. Like Ivy's choking a dude while Zach's choking a dude, and it's very three. Is uh, Ivy tri- the triple redhead? Choke is how I master. Ivy is what, redhead. Yes. What, what's That's what's Ivy. the timestamp on that? I want to save that for Jesus later. Fuck yeah, this David. We're sorry. This is what happens when you do three episodes yeah. in a row. So. We all get way too drunk and just. Hey, so I, already, I haven't had anything zoos. to drink. How dare you? Sure. Well, then, I'm naturally drunk. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, whatever. Um, it's so called, it proceeds it's, down. It's called a mental illness. <laughs> I'm straight up mentally ill, yo. The, the River Sin. Um, and everybody essentially fast ropes off the fucking Eiffel Tower. Yeah. People jump in the Miata. Long story short, and Ivy, Ivy, Ivy the, tries to, to the, fast travel off the top of the tower, and a bad guy cuts the rope that they're actually ziplining on, and Ivy just turns around and grabs onto the Eiffel Tower, even though they're falling at like uh, probably yeah, uh, what's that called? The point of uh, uh, nine point eight meters per second squared. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> long story short, Adam, dead drop. They point. end but up they grab at the, the rope fucking and they, Key okay. West Hotel. Okay. Okay. But they grab the rope, they tie it around the side of the Eiffel Tower. No, no, I was saying okay down, to, so. to Derek. Shut up, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they, they jump in the, the Miata, point. dive oh. in the water, and the hotel is there. Yes. Womp womp. Yes. Okay, yeah. they end up so at the hotel motherfucker from, dragged, from Florida. dragged a hotel yes. from Key West to the side. all the way across the Atlantic yep. to essentially the, uh, what's the name of the fucking sea in between England and France? Where the channel goes underneath um, the English Channel, the like, Baltic. The North sea. It's the North Sea. That that body of water. <laughs> yeah, the North Sea. Sails into the River Seine. 
sails English all Channel. the way to France, which France or Paris, Paris which is yeah. actually an island in the middle of the River Seine, yeah. and then sinks the bitch right next to the ice. So beautiful. You should go to that Paris. That must have taken. That must have taken months. And my question, so I think, I think you're onto something, Adam. My, we're like, yeah. our heroes from Acme, like, where they blink in and out of existence. Like, you blink out of existence, you blink back into it. Three months, twenty-seven days, and forty-seven minutes have passed. Yeah, it's it's actually no time for them, but plenty of time for everybody else. But my why, question to you, Derek. Okay, my question why is, is why? It, yeah, why isn't Carmen San Diego everyone's grandma now? Like, like she's traveling in real time while they're blinking. Yeah, this is like season four, so it's like three years after season one, and Zach is still the same age. Yeah, I know it's it's so. Oh, hot. we're we're about to get we're about to get to the point that I wanted to talk about since the beginning of this episode. The Miata drives out of the river. They then drive to a farmhouse. Then Zach takes a fucking zip drive, and 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 loads it into the center console. Oh my god, I'm watching that right now. It's not a zip drive. It's a three point five. It's a floppy. Floppy. No, that's not a three point five. It is. That's a zip. That's a hundred megabyte zip. How is that a, a zip drive? Okay, do you guys remember the hard zips? Mm. The yeah, th- yep. yep. That's what it is. The, the big fatty zips. Yep. That's exactly what that is. That mm. wasn't a three. Yeah, and that's a, that's a... a three and a half has a very very distinct left to right slide on the bottom. That's a fucking zip drive. Those things cost like seventeen dollars. Well, they cost before, like those things back in. We got to this they cost like eighty dollars back you, then, the and they were that like. I wanted to get an answer to was why the fuck did they have the hotel next to the Eiffel Tower? Because they hauled it more from Florida. No, I know we were talking about the car, but but you you skipped over the fact that the the hotel was there. Also there. No, I talked about it. It That was the whole three months. Yes, I know, Derek, it's there, but why? (laughs) Nobody asked why. Because they needed a base. There's no fucking reason to have it there. (laughs) He needed a base. For what? Because the producers Out said, the hey, uh, we need a second episode in this three-parter that we're going to do. <laughs> Can we talk about That's the shoulder why. pads that these women are wearing? <laughs> yes, yes, let's like, do. Finally, they are, finally they are, someone brings up the issues. They are, they are 1980s style series linebacker shoulder pads. Well, yeah. But shit's hot, dude. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you want droopy shoulders? Uh, or do no. you want power? I no. Want, I want power shoulders. You're right. But it's all about the right. calves. Yes. You think so? Well, okay. That, why do you think they're wearing pumps? And where where did Zach get the zip Pumps drive? and shoulder pads, dude. Okay, let's let's move on in the episode. I'm just gonna sit here. And so, so they get a, they get a zip drive. <laughs> yeah, but but, but the other thing is like where out, where did they get the zip drive? He, he Zach, like grabbed it out of he, the debris. He when, just fishes it out of the water. When, yeah, when the hotel blows up. Uh, a great place yeah. to look. Water. A great place to store zip drives. <laughs> yeah, look. <laughs> now, look, look. look. Dude, this, is, this car has this a is... Knight Rider-like turbo boost jump. Mm-hmm. It can turn into <laughs> it a hovercraft and, and drive along the river. But mm-hmm. the most unbelievable thing is that it would have a built-in zip drive. Zip drive reader. Yeah. 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 Because in 1998, that was like fifty thousand. Guys, if yeah. I ever buy a car, I'm gonna put a zip drive reader in it. First thing, <laughs> it's amazing. 
I'm just picturing you with like an old clunky like box that has a zip drive attachment to it. That you just sort of have in your <laughs> the, passenger the little, side seat. The, the little Miata <laughs> sitting in your living room with a zip that drive. That I glued wheels to on yes. either side. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you know, Matt, you, you can't fit that many MP3s on 100 megabytes. You know, I have one. Tw- I have 1.21 gigabytes. Gigabytes. <laughs> gigabytes. Oh, 1.21 gigabytes. One... No, it's gigabytes. It's so gigabytes. the zip drive shows them. The zip drive shows them essentially Noah's Ark, and they start talking about that and the epic Gilmash, Gilgamesh, um, and then they realize that evidently we're going to Turkey, and <laughs> then this becomes one of the most far-stretched links in the entire thing. Is they say, hey, we're going to Turkey, and then the USS San Diego is fucking docked at a port in Turkey, and that somehow links Carmen and San Diego to Mount Ararat, which is where allegedly the the Ark from Noah's Ark like hit land after the the big flood. Derek, did it take you right out of it? No, it didn't. <laughs> I'm just saying that these last two episodes have just been like this all feels over weak. The also, place. this is one of the things I hate about the first episode we saw, which is like they love to mix in some uh, non scientific history, yeah. some, some strange yeah. theories that are sort yeah. of like basically some French theories, basically. Yeah, bullshit. <laughs> yeah. They like to mix in some bullshit. Yes. They go to whatever port that the USS San Diego is uh, is docked in. And then they see the ship's band, and the ship's band begins playing a piece from the opera Carmen. And then they realize that Dr. Maelstrom has given the conductor the original manuscript of the opera that nobody was like, why Why am I fucking directing this from a, a book from the 1700s? Also, and then turns on a fan this isn't and how, blows all the pages. This isn't how bands work. You can't just give the director the sheet music and then everybody else automatically knows how to play the fucking thing. That's how directors from work. Their wait, 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 wait. You never, you never did like in band like the 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 blind plays. What the fuck do they call it? Um, where you'd go to like the concert and they would hand you the sheet music and they would have to play. You'd have to play it. Uh, no, no, no. Th- yes. This is the equivalent. Yes, I of did them that. Not handing you the sheet music. Yes. They would hand it to your conductor and no one and- else. And Mike, we yeah. were in band together. Wait, you guys were band members? Mike and I were. Oh, yes. Wait, Derek, Derek I love this. <laughs> oh, wait. You guys are band nerds? It's a big fucking shock to me. These, these dipshit friends of mine were band nerds? Oh, my God. Oh, my now God. I'm offended everything. to my core. <laughs> Adam yep. played the oh, saxophone. Boy. It yeah. was unknown to me that this dipshit crew of idiots. <laughs> Adam played the saxophone, and, and I was the drums. And I was in the drums. I I played the miscellaneous shit that you know I wasn't like a snare drummer because I wasn't that cool. So I like literally played every other bullshit thing. Mike was the trash drummer. I I was the the bass and the cymbals. And he was. I, he I was the. Um, I couldn't even play the tim the the timpani the because timpani. I couldn't timpani. I I couldn't uh, tune it. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, God, I was like band nerds. C... And they're like, no, you're you're off. Are you kidding me? Mike could play a mean steel drum. That's a no. That's just a brand <laughs> of steel drum. <laughs> mean still all right so anyway anyways so i was i was just yeah. shocked that they had this like photorealistic james Irwin p- 
picture popping up on the screen and I'm like, oh, it's an astronaut. Well, the, the reason why it was a bit more of a shock in this episode is because we didn't do the C5 animation as much here yeah. as we yeah, did we, in other episodes. We didn't so, go through the Imaginarium nearly yeah, lawnmower, as much. The Lawnmower Man Imaginarium. Yeah, it, it just randomly popped up because the zip drive magically yeah. made, you know. Yeah, they're kind so, of trying here. to downplay that the C5 animations because they're dated. Or it's uh, expensive. Well, no, yeah. it's 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 the same animation from three years ago, oh. and they're and they've they're like uh, recycling it. They've sort of they put it sort of put it in shadow. Mm-hmm. I don't know. To... In episode one, I kind of noticed it was a lot more Yannick in that episode. As in, it comes from Yanni. No, Yannick is the opposite of phallic. It means vagina. <laughs> really? That's that's a word I did not know. Oh yeah, God. yeah. Like when they say uh, uh, this art is very phallic when it's got a tower in it or something, and then when there's like yeah. a painting of flower, they're like, "This is quite yonic." So it's like a oh, yawn. Sweet. So, anyways, let me let me just kind of push this towards the end. Um, so, anyways, he <laughs> he distributes like he gets rid of everybody's sheet music using a giant fan from a gym that he just kind of transported there. Um, and then he's like, I'm going to set free my prize from its icy prison. Carmen shows up. She's like, hey, you're a, you're a psychopath. Why are we doing mm-hmm. this? He then uses a assault rifle that is armed with arrows, and he pins her to the side of the ship. And then the, uh, the kind of surprise at the end of it is that Chief shows up in his robot form again, tackles fucking Maelstrom. Carmen detonates the missile. She arrests Chief. Or... Sorry, not rest chief. She arrests Maelstrom and Finn. She, Carmen's back on the loose. Wait, 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 wait. Maelstrom is back. Yeah, in, she gets away. Is Carmen yep, good? She takes the submersible away. Carmen is the like thoughtful villain. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, our acne heroes they they then they put Maelstrom back in jail as as the ultimate bad guy. Chief makes a remark about like back in his old body. Episode Finn. Yep. And no, you're skipping. You're skipping over the most important part, which oh. is where they do the paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> is this like yeah. Super Cops? It's like that, but good. But the yeah, yeah. So how would I do so, on ripping through three episodes in under two? You're so beautiful. You're a beautiful <laughs> man. Let's talk about how much paperwork is. I was. Involved. I was just trying to just be like, let's jam this through. Let me go pour one more drink. Oh God! <laughs> and let's get into let's get into analysis. All right, so back on track. No. Okay. Do we keep this on the list? Do we keep this so on the list? Is oh. is this is this terrible? Is this amazing? Is this amazingly terrible? I say still say it's amazingly terrible, just because of the weird combination of pseudosciences and like. Suddenly, Chief has a body that he's had in mothballs this entire time. Yeah. And he just doesn't use. Yeah. He's like, he's actually in charge of the agency, realizing that C five thing actually takes months to complete. It's not instantaneous travel. The molecular level Maserati, Maserati <laughs> that just sort of appears <laughs> out of fucking nowhere. <laughs> molecular. Yeah. Well, it is molecular. The character molecular Silverhawks. He That's actually his origin. That's his. Miata. That's his origin story right there, actually. Yeah. So he spent his 
beginning part of life as uh, I no, use no, uh, wristwatch. No, no, this is the voting. Do we want to keep this on the list? <laughs> We're working <laughs> through it, David. Yes. So I, I'm saying it's amazingly terrible. I reluctantly agree. Uh, I will actually vote to keep it as well. Uh, in in Adam's kind of train of thought or whatever, the first episode was actually, in my opinion, very well put together to tell like a very simple story. Then the remaining two were just, it was like, here's facts, here's violence, here's facts, here's violence. Yeah, it's like real life. And that's why it's amazingly terrible because it was not, held together with good writing it wasn't held together with like good good storytelling or, or anything it was just like and then this one time in QS there was a fucking hotel underwater and then boom fight scene in a hotel underwater and they're like and then we went to Norway fight scene in Norway and they told like a history of Norway and, and all that shit so yeah I vote to yeah they had an episode and a half of good ideas for a three part episode yeah. Yeah. All right. I mean, I thought we'd sort of uh, run out of stuff to talk about after so many episodes, but and see, I I think that we would have also, except for we did come up with a few new theories this time watching it. We came up with a few new insights into the world and into how it works. Before we get into one world theory, I just want to talk real quick about. Uh, Dr. Maelstrom and whether or not he is a villain because frankly he does nothing worse than Carmen Sandiego who we are supposed to believe is essentially like a hero villain or an anti-hero at the very least oh no he he commits the worst crime of all property damage (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, he's an anti-capitalist yeah I guess that's true I was going to say, like, the, the property that is damaging isn't really belonging to anybody, but that's not true. He, he does destroy the, the underwater hotel. He does wind up stealing a ship. He doesn't destroy he it. He just steals it. He destroys the original manuscript for, or the original score for Carmen. Does he he's, pack no, no, son no. of a bitch? He, he doesn't destroy it. He turns on a fan to blow it off in the distance, distracting <laughs> Ivy and Zach. Yeah, yeah, Ivy and Zach actually grab it. Yeah, into the water. They grab two of the, like, Hundred pages. <laughs> yes, but this is still solvable by bureaucrats. They collect all the pages. They sort them into the separate piles. They're on a they, dock. They, 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 they fall into the ocean and are ruined. Let's let's look at the classic evil. Does he cackle like a villain? And does he mm-hmm. monologue? Well, he has bad hygiene. He so, doesn't like doors. He has a fetish for the ocean. He's classic villain for I children. Mean, he, but does he do anything worse than Carmen Sandiego? I say no. I say Carmen Sandiego actually does. Carmen Sandiego actually does far more worse than um, than he does because she actually like in the, the previous episode that we saw, she stole a radio telescope. She stole Easter Island heads. She stole um, uh, Stonehenge. Yes. So she she was actually taking national monuments that actually did exist, or I shouldn't say natural, but world-famous monuments that do exist, that are actually real, that people go and see every day, that people have a very historic attachment to, and she winds up shoving them all on a uh, aboriginal sacred site, and essentially demolishing it by having her workers and henchmen crawl all over it. 
I don't I don't know why we went into your your Carmen denialism, the fact that you don't <laughs> believe that Carmen is a real opera. But I agree with you otherwise. The final test is is he unattractive? <laughs> Wait, yeah. if, what? If rule he... one rule one, be attractive. Rule two, don't be unattractive. Mike has a point. He has hair. Hmm. He does have hair. But Carmen has more hair. So is he less attractive Carmen than Carmen? Maybe in the eighties. If he has less <laughs> hair than Carmen, then he is the villain. I mean, okay, let's be clear. I'm definitely going bald, and I am very evil. But you're not bald. Not as evil as you're going to And be. you don't monologue <laughs> yet. Not as evil as you're going to be. <laughs> not after my next haircut. <laughs> and you also don't cackle like mwahaha. Let's be clear. Maelstrom doesn't make me feel weird and tingly in my pants. And that's clearly an evil thing that only Carmen does. Carmen seems to be more calculating. Mm-hmm. Like, like I think, she, I think she the would... only thing, the only thing that, that Maelstrom did that would have put him over the top as evil, was lighting a bundle of dynamite and throwing it at a bunch of kids. That, that <laughs> I think, is more evil than the I stuff that Carmen that. does. Really I feel evil. like the missile at the mountain was supposed to make him more evil, but it's but true. It was the a... diamond on dynamite on kids seems most evil. Yeah, because there was nothing on that mountain. He was just basically going to be causing an ecological disaster by destroying that. The glacier yeah. and releasing right. Noah's Ark, but at the same time, like we're living in an ecological disaster right now. So, but again, Ooh. but again, we're in cartoon world. So, like, is evil really measured by haircut? <laughs> we're still. Mike on would hair. say yes. You're only of as evil as your hairdresser. <laughs> True. <laughs> David, what do we do next? Okay, so tell me what show is index one ninety three. Oh Jesus! Uh, Heathcliff. No. No. <laughs> Ducktales. Hold on. I swung past it. So we have one ninety one or one ninety four. Which one would we go to? Four. Yeah, one ninety four is Ghostbusters. Ooh. Oh, nineteen eighty six. Wait, wait nice. so is this the real Ghostbusters? No, uh, I don't think so. Uh, it is not. It does not say the real Ghostbusters. It just says Ghostbusters. I hope mm, it's the real 86. Ghostbusters. Eighty-six. Nineteen eighty-six. Sixty-five episodes. It says it's an adaptation. Oh, so I'm assuming that <laughs> is the actual the real Ghostbusters. So that's the real Ghostbusters. Is okay. it the real? Derek, tell me it's the real Ghostbusters. Sorry, I. I yeah, you blew. Okay. No, I want to we, watch the fake Ghostbusters. Hold on, hold on. We also have the real Ghostbusters on the list. That's 1986 to 1991. That is 140 episodes. No, it is we, an adaptation. No, we got to watch Ghostbusters. Oh, I think no. this is just Ghostbusters. The real yes. copyright infringement. Copyright infringement. Uh, no, these are the original copyright holders. That original copyright holders, legal yeah. holders of <laughs> the, the lay name of copyright. That the original, but that the that the movie had to license the name from to name the movie. That yeah, yeah. From uh, isn't it like filmation was the name of the yeah. This company. version of the Ghostbusters has an ape. Yeah. Oh, it's a bunch of old guys oh, riding around oh. in a car with an ape. Oh, it sounds like every cartoon from the. It 70s. sounds amazingly yeah. terrible, yeah, right? Yep. I'm excited about oh, it, guys. Oh, damn. 
I've never seen this. Hot damn. I've seen a couple episodes back in the day. So got Ghostbusters. Which episode there, David? I don't. I don't think we have the right number of episodes. So we'll have to figure that out. Okay. We'll we'll figure that out as we go along. And I believe this episode is going to you, Adam. <laughs> Ooh. Oh God! Excellent, excellent. Let's go to onto yeah. the one universe theory. I was just gonna say the real Ghostbusters yep. is the, the Ghostbusters we see from the movie. No, no, the one so, universe right. about Carmen. Yeah. I mean, Carmen Sandiego was like this kind of anti-hero, like uh, thief type person so if you guys had essentially surmised that she ended up having a a gender change uh to become the grifter later on in like superhuman post-apocalyptic like i could see that it's it's pre-post-apocalyptic so it's like apocalyptic so <laughs> yeah I, I mean i pre, wasn't here for the first time so well well just the 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 Wildcats episode, we determined that that was leading up to the actual apocalypse. Grifter is Cole Cash, was Carmen Sandiego. And that's the reason why the Grifter was able to get the Coda training, because Coda training is only given to females. So he got it before he went through his transition and then transitioned into being a man. The ultimate gotcha. Um,. Sure. But for this one universe, <laughs> we just determined that C fiving is instantaneous for those that are using the C five teleportation, but it's actually equivalent in real time to the amount of time it takes to walk from the one location to the next location. So right. even I would underwater. Say, even underwater. So I would say that Eve I'm sorry, uh Ivy and Zach actually C5 themselves from San Diego to Bangkok. And when they were traveling, the world ended. And then they came out <laughs> of their C5 portal into the desolate wastelands of the apocalypse. Um, yep. So I think that, Evie, that, that Ivy and Zach are actually around for the apocalypse now. So we just have to figure out how they kind of tie in there. Do you think they're just like constantly traveling because <laughs> there's like no, nothing anywhere they go? They're just trying to advance forward through time to. Uh, so they keep C fiving. Well, I mean, yeah. with the location, with the new the rules of C five that we've discovered, like they could be hundreds or thousands of years old in real That's true. time. So they're they're basically just constantly C fiving, like back and forth from the yeah, location of the they're just blinking. to. Yeah, trying man. to hope that civilization somehow comes back. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, we were also saying that C5, that the C5 portals were fixed points because uh, Dr. Maelstrom was uh, able to always predict exactly where they were going to be coming out. To I think it's like a that. grid. I think it's like a set grid of c 5 points, but okay. not necessarily that. So, like, you could make a reasonable guess about the point they were going to come out with, but... Well, I think there's, like, some there, way to exactly. detect... When someone's on route Ooh, it's about to, to get a point. There. Yeah. yeah, I mean, because it takes so long. It's like a buildup of static electricity or some shit like that. Yeah, I mean, the all the like the lines between the two C5 points must really throb and thrust. It's like riffs. Oh, they, be, they become engorged before they spill out their contents. Yeah, engorged yeah. with time and people and energy. Oh, cr 
Oh crap! If it's rifts, did the C fives cause the destruction of the planet? Oh, yeah. C fives are actually ley line points. Ley lines. Yeah. That yeah. ley lines are intersect. Yep. Yeah. And it made me into a wear bear. <laughs> or I was a teenage wear skunk. Mm-hmm. Or a, a teenage witch, Sabrina. And it um, also it made me into a fascist coalition government. So, so you think that? Uh, uh, Ivy and Zach are basically just C5ing back and forth between Bangkok and San Francisco until the world comes back. So I think they, like yeah, I think it's poking their head out for like a second at a time, then popping back in, then poking their head out, then popping back in. Yeah, I think at some point they figure it out, right? They're like, okay, the world is destroyed. We have to like essentially like preserve our life for as long as possible until civilization rebuilds itself. So they're like minimum time out of C five and longest C five jumps that we can do. They so walk the ley line. So, they are ley line walkers. So what we're basically stating is that the destruction of the Earth did not destroy the C five network. Does that mean that the chief is also alive somewhere? Oh God! I mean, Probably. I'd like to think so because he's such an amazingly great character that I love <laughs> on every level. He became Squidward. But I have to think that there <laughs> he became Squidward. <laughs> um, and after the world ended he and just possessed became Waterworld, um, then he became Squidward. But I have to think at some point that, like Halo rules apply, and eventually AIs go insane. Oh wait, you think that you think the chief saying? right now? Yeah, pre- the chief as we have seen him. Do you think that he was sane there, or do you think that his existence over the course of the last ten years has driven him insane? No, I mean, and like, to I, there's more a, more I, forget, I forget the name mm-hmm. for it in the uh, Halo games, but there's yeah. a, a long, slow decline that AIs go into where they're like, yeah. they're very functional and and highly effective, but they're clearly like going insane. Yeah, it's like five years or something like that. Yeah, but it's not it's not affect like it doesn't affect their ability to. Um, Perform tasks. Yeah, exactly. But then once they hit that fifth year, etc. I'm saying five years. I'm talking about it out of my ass. I just know they actually have a retirement age for the AIs. I think it's something like that. What's the name for the state they go into, David? Uh, I've not played past the first game. Wow. Wow. You know, back when they were bungee. Jesus, holy Christ. It's like we found a human dinosaur here. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you're like, well, you're like Triacid Diplodocus. Well, I think that. Rampancy. (laughs) There you go. David just doesn't like uh, uh, subsequent. uh, Yeah. uh, Sequels. IP. Really. I mean, he's again and let us know that he no. I mean, I, I, I tried bad. to pl- I tried to play the second game, but it was all mapped to console controls. Adam, yeah. say Halo again. Halo, why? He said Halo. Halo. He said he said it weird. He, Halo. 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 I was Hello. like, I'm like, Hello. what? What game, Hello, what, what game are we talking about here? The the game Hello. with Master Chief. Rampant, Halo. Rampancy is the AI degradation. Yes. Rampancy. 
rampancy. Yeah. It and how, very... how long? How long does the AI, AI take? Seven years. Yeah, and at that point, all they want to do is play that video game Rampage over and over again. While they're out over a sea. David, what is our last segment? Yes, our, right. our last segment would be saying goodbye. <laughs> oh shit! Perfect. <laughs> Uh, it, it, is this where we go up the stairs and sing the goodbye song? Yeah, yeah. We take our shoes off and yeah. put yes. different shoes on. <laughs> no. Uh, so long, about... farewell. Goodbye. The sun has gone to sleep and so must I. My name is Matthew. <laughs> and I am <laughs> <laughs> All right, done. Amazingly Terrible is produced by David. Send your emails to monotonously terrific at amazinglyterrible.com. Music by Josh Woodward. What? Show. Derek, oh, you're kicked out. Derek. Derek. I don't I don't watch crap anime. Guys. How dare you? How dare you? I mean, this is not, crap, is anime. not this is... crap anime. Let's be honest, you made the right decision. You have just ostracized Matt. like both of our listeners. Don't encourage that type of behavior, Matt. Derek, you go to your room and watch it's Dragon Ball It's right not now. a good show, guys. <laughs> just like Carmen San Diego. <laughs>